Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I know we have some visitors this morning, and we have some of our part-timers returning, so I'm going to kind of set the stage for this morning's reading because we need to set it in context. And what I mean by that is this is part of a sermon series on Romans chapters 1 through 8. And as you can see, we're in chapter 6. Last week, we took what I referred to as a commercial break. That is to say, I preached on stewardship last week. Uh, You know what a commercial does. It pays for the program. And so last week, I talked about stewardship uh, to talk about, you know, what resources uh, we need and, more than that, what God desires for his people to give. But the week before that, we talked about Romans 5. And in Romans 5, Paul writes about Adam and the sin of Adam and the contrast with Jesus and his righteousness and how through Adam sin came into the world and through Christ righteousness and through Jesus the gift of grace because of the cross. And we have access to that grace because of his death on the cross. And so that's the context that we have when he comes to this What do we then say at the beginning of chapter 6? You know, based on this aspect of who we are and what we have before us, the fact that in Adam, being his offspring, his children, being the fact that we're all born under he and Eve, because we're Adam and Eve's children, we all have their condition, the human condition, and thereby we're children of sin, that now we have this opportunity in Christ to be children of grace. We have this choice before us that we can choose Jesus Christ, receive this gift of grace. And he's writing into this context in Rome where there's all kinds of different positions being taken. Because, and you'd have to actually go back to chapter 1 and what was going on in Rome and the reason that Paul wrote the letter in the first place. That the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians were vying for leadership because of what had happened in Rome. And if you want the background to that, you actually have to go either online and listen to the first sermon or get the CD because that would give you the background. But then there were also other beliefs and practices going on. But the Jews were trying to figure out what's the place of the law? You know, we were brought up in faith under the law. We had the Ten Commandments, but then we had all these other commandments and we had the law. And what's the place of the law? And these Gentiles have come in and they don't have the background of the law. And they're saying, we don't need the law. 
So all these different questions about the place of the law and practicing their faith, whether the law is important or not. But then you had these other believers coming into the faith and they're saying, well, you know, do we really need any kind of law at all? After all, we have this gift of grace and we were all sinners. And if we have this gift of grace and grace was poured out because we sinned, well then, why not just keep sinning because grace abounds when we sin, so let's just keep sinning and then we have all kinds of grace. What a deal! You know, the reality is what you believe is going to dictate how you live. And so when you have all these different beliefs going on, then you're going to have all these different practices and lifestyles going on. And so the witness is going to be totally confusing to the non-Christians. And they're trying to all get on the same page. And then you have them all vying for leadership. And Paul's saying, let's all get on the same page. And so he's writing in Romans 1 through 8, what is known as the gospel according to Paul. And he's trying to bring them all together. And that's why after he outlines the gospel and talks about being saved by grace and Abraham is our primary example of this, both for Jews and Gentiles. That's what he talks about in Romans 4. And Romans 5 he talks about we all share this same condition of sin. And Christ came in to give us this gift. So he says, what, what are we to say about this? Because we're all in this condition together. So he first starts addressing this antinomian problem. Now this is a word that we use every day in our culture, antinomian. Let me tell you what antinomian means. Anti against namas is law. These people who are against any kind of law at all. That look, if, if we sin, grace abounds. So let's just keep sinning. What a deal. And you know, in reality, we see that all the time in our culture. And it's really, really fascinating that we're addressing this topic today. Today of all days. Because what's today in the church calendar year? Today in the church calendar year is... All Saints Day. It's the day after Halloween. All Saints Day. What does that mean? We're not just remembering dead people. Okay? Because the word saint isn't just about dead people. When Paul wrote his letters to the saints of the church at Rome and to the saints of the church at Corinth, to the saints of the church at Ephesus, he wrote to the people that were involved in the churches. We're all called to be saints. The word saint means holy one, the one separated. We're all called to this holy life, this life of Christ, this life of righteousness. Not holier than thou, but holy, different from the world. And so if we're living this antinomian life, that says it doesn't matter how we live, then what's going to distinguish us from the world? Because we're called to live the life of Christ, which is holy. 
To be a saint means to live as a holy one. And you know, of course, today, everybody just wants to be themselves, right? We're all individuals. You know, there's this one song, a commercial, Because I Can, Because I Can. You remember her? Have you ever heard that? I do this because I can, because I can. I actually like the tune. But that's what everybody's attitude is. We all just want to be ourselves. And you know, that cry has come out since the 60s and the 70s. You know, when I was reared as kind of a teenager. And we all just wanted to be ourselves, right? And I remember because I used to have the long hair. And I just wanted to be myself and have the long hair. In fact, you know, Meredith and I used to walk down the street and my, mine was the long hair and hers was the short hair. Walking from behind, you know, who looked like what. And I looked like all my friends. I didn't look different. I looked like all my friends. So how was I different? That's the reality. We look like the world when we want to practice like the world. We're not different. And the word holy means separated ones. When we take on the life of Christ, when we take on His righteousness, and we're called to be saints, it means we're meant to be separate, different from the world, as Christ was different. He was different from the world. He was different from the Pharisees and Sadducees because on the one hand, He wasn't a legalist, and on the other hand, He wasn't sinful. And we need to learn what it means to live that fine line, the life of Christ, a holy life, a righteous life. That's what Paul's saying here. And so often we want to cheapen the Christian life. We want to say, I want to be like the world. You know what it's often like? This is what it's often like. I don't know how many of you remember the Godfather movies, or at least a mafia movie. This is what it's like. We want to go to the clergy beforehand. We want to go to church beforehand. And we want to get the absolution before we go out and kill someone. Right? Just to get our bases covered. Just in case we end up dying in the process. That's what it's like. We just want to make sure we have our bases covered before we sin. That's not the life. That's not seeking to live a holy life. When it doesn't matter how we live. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, which we heard this morning, you can't serve two masters. Or as he would say in John chapter 8, to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, your sons of the devil, your father is the devil. Because even though they were living as legalists, in effect they were serving themselves because every law they structured and wrote was about them. And that's really what it's all about, what it comes down to. When we live as sinners, we're living for ourselves. When we structure laws and live for the law, we're living for ourselves. So it gets down to us. That's really what it's about, isn't it? We're either living for the Lord... Or we're living for the other master, which is us. 
So Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You either serve me or you serve yourself. That's the bottom line. And whether you recognize it or not, you're a tough taskmaster. Because when you're a legalist, you have no peace. And when you're controlled by sin, you're a slave to sin. That's what Paul's saying in Romans 6. And neither one is a pleasant experience. See, we fool ourselves. We think we're getting away with something, and it's really destroying, it's destroying what we're really after. I don't know how many of you remember the, the Ashley Madison scandal. Do you remember that? You know what I'm talking about when I talk about the Ashley Madison scandal? Nod your head if you're awake or if you know what I'm talking about. Okay? You know, the Ashley Madison scandal is about, you know, you can have a secret affair. That's what it's about. And, you know, what came out about this, it was really, what came out about this when they were talking about it, well, you know, I wasn't really trying to have an affair, I just wanted to check it out because I was curious. That's what so many people said when, you know, the list came out as to who was it. Anyway, here it is. An Affair to Remember is the title of the article. This is out of The Economist, uh, the end of August. I saved this because I knew I'd use this sometime. (laughs) Not, Not the website. Let's just be clear here. I want to be quoted properly. The article, okay? And, and the advertisement for Ashley Madison's life is short, have an affair, okay? The article goes on to say, but this data breach could have far more public and visible consequences than previous heists. Catch the drift here such as the theft of customer data from retailers' tax records from America's Internal Revenue Service, or even security clearance data from the Office of Personal Management. This is more serious than any of those, is what this article says. Why? The Ashley Madison breach is different because it threatens to destroy families and end careers. In other words, your financial well-being is less serious than your marriage and your family. That's what they're saying. Now, I don't think our culture acts like that. I really don't. But let me tell you what's underneath what that just said. Let me tell you what's underneath it. Catch the subtlety of it. It's not that you went to the website and got on it. It's that the secret was broken. That's the sad part about the article. The sin's not the problem. Getting caught's the problem. That's the sickness of our culture. That's the sadness of our culture. Because we want to live in both worlds. And what Paul's saying is, you become a slave to sin. When you try to live with sin in your life. That's what he's saying. We need to be united with him. 
united with Christ in his death. When Jesus went to the cross and died in our place for our sin, and he took on our nature, our condition, the human condition, that's what the symbolism of baptism is about. That we die to sin and die to self. That's our human nature going to the cross. That when we say we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we're saying we want to die to sin. We want to die to self. That's our old nature that went to the cross so that we have given up on that life. Instead of we want to live in both worlds. But see, that's not our culture. You need to understand that. That's not our culture. Our culture wants to live the antinomian life. We want to say, hey, sin's out there and we can do the sin, but we also want to do the grace. We want to get the grace. We want the best of both worlds. And it's really not the best of both worlds. You know what is really popular today that really kind of tips this hand? That's out there all over the place? I'll tell you what it is. It's zombies. It is. It is. I'm telling you. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I got, I got articles. Zombie run slated Saturday. Okay? That was earlier this week. Zombie run survivors. That was today. They're everywhere. You want those, Martha? In the comics, in the comics, Dustin, who can't hold down a job. You know what his job's been this whole week? He's been a zombie in a haunted house. You can read those, Martha. (laughs) Zombies and vampires are everywhere. You know what? They live in both worlds. They're dead, but they're walking the earth. Sin is death, but in the world. See how that works? People fool themselves into believing that we can do both. I can live this secret life and get away with it. And it won't take a toll on me. It won't consume me. It won't get me. When Paul says and Jesus says, you can't serve two masters and you will come a become a slave to sin if you buy into sin. It becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of your life. And then what happens is, slowly you acquiesce to culture and you allow culture to dominate you. Sin has dominion over you. See, God has given us our basic desires. And what happens is, when sin comes in, desire goes awry and lust takes over. Whatever the lust might be. And it corrupts and destroys that very thing that we want. And it leads to death. You know, it's really fascinating. Is work is a good thing. 
And working for a company is a good thing. But oftentimes people become workaholics and we get consumed by work and it destroys the family. Alcohol in and of itself is not a bad thing. But we can become an alcoholic and it destroys us. Prescription drugs is not a bad thing. But we can become addicted. Over and over again we can see how these things that are not in and of themselves bad things. The internet is not a bad thing. Pornography is. Nuclear power is not a bad thing. Nuclear bombs destroy things. Over and over again you can see what happens when something becomes corrupt. Because we corrupt it. Because sin takes over. That's what Paul's saying here. Work is a good thing, but you can become disposable. And when Satan gets a hold of you, guess what? He uses you up and you become disposable and ultimately you end up in eternal death. When God gets a hold of you, And you become, if you will, as Paul says, a slave to righteousness. Guess guess what happens? You become fulfilled. You experience peace and joy. And God rewards you eternally in heaven. little different scenario. little different reward. Sin is a cancer that consumes you. How many pictures can I paint before you really understand that you can't live in both worlds? That's what Paul's trying to say here. And when we buy into that we think we can, our lives get knit together to that life. But see, what Jesus does, he's the bleach that washes us as white as snow. Psalm 51 is a wonderful picture of that, if you want to see it. The other side, you can become legalistic about your life. And a lot of Christians do that too. That you begin to buy into this life under grace and you just make it a legalistic life. And then you become, as Jesus says about the Pharisees and Sadducees, a different kind of child of hell. And that's destructive too. The Pharisees and Sadducees, when they first broke in on the world, were actually godly. And then they became corrupt because of legalism. And then they began to serve themselves with the law. And that became its own cancer. It becomes a got to. Deuteronomy 5, which is the Ten Commandments, is followed by Deuteronomy 6 for a reason. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength to remind us what the purpose of the law is to guide us, to bless us. Moses, Moses who got off track, the first thing that confronted him was the burning bush. And then he became on fire with the Lord. He did not become a legalist. And he became filled with the Lord so much so that his face glowed. That's what God wants for us. 
So that we understand that this becoming yoked to Jesus Christ. And He becomes our Master. is the life that transforms us. And we become His servant, not in a destructive way, but in a fulfilling way. Not to err on the side of legalism, not to err on the side of license and sin, but to discover the gift of grace and transforming power. That's what he wants for us. This chapter ends with one of my most favorite verses in all of Scripture. It is a verse I use in restaurants in my office to present the gospel, by the way. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because the first part of this verse is the presentation of the gospel. For the wages of sin is death. Wages. What do you, what, wages are something you earn. Either because of the way you sin or you're trying to fulfill righteousness through the law, you earn sin. You sin. You fail. And then what do you earn? Death. Eternal separation from God. But the free gift. God wants to grace you with the gospel, the gift of Jesus Christ. It's of God. It is from Him. And the gift is eternal life that begins in this life through Jesus Christ. The connector between the human side and the eternal side. And if you go back to the beginning of chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Isn't that what you want in this world? Isn't that what you want in this life? Peace with God. It comes by His grace. It comes by His grace. The fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace. It comes by His grace. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You can be weary and heavy laden because you feel that your faith is all about law. You can be weary and heavy laden because of the sin in your life. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in him you'll find peace. And in Him you'll find love. And in Him you'll find grace. Yesterday, yesterday was Halloween. What do we do on Halloween? We wear masks. Take the mask off. Take the mask off. When does Halloween happen? In darkness. Come out of the darkness. What's the first day after Halloween? All Saints Day. Walk as a saint. 
And what do we have to look forward to? The next holiday is Thanksgiving. We can live a grateful life the rest of our lives. And the, the holiday after that? Christmas. That we've been given a gift. That light has come into the world. And light can come into your life. Jesus has dealt with the past. The mask. The darkness. The sin. He's made you a saint if you choose him. And you can live with thanksgiving and grace and light. Focus on the future. Let's pray. God, the world is filled with so much darkness and deceit, with so much hypocrisy and cancer and death. And yet, Lord, what you offer is such a gift of grace and love and peace amidst the challenges, amidst the pain. You offer your son. You offer your spirit that we might overcome all the challenges of this world. And live under your grace. And live in your peace. Lord, I pray on this All Saints Day that everyone here might, might choose to be your saint. To live in your grace. To live with your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And be transformed every day. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your Son, for his willingness to go to the cross, to die for our sin. Help us to die to sin every day, to die to self every day, and to live for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.